It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right it. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk to uh, Shashin, uh, yeah, Shashin Shah is his name. And uh, he is the guy, he's, he's written a new book called The Kid and the King, and he's the guy high achievers uh, go to when they need to refuel and re-engage with life. Um, in, the, in the middle, in the second hour of our three-hour tour, this uh, fascinating conversation with the author of a uh, new book. He is um, an interfaith minister. He's written a book called If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. John Pavlovitz will be joining me by phone. But first, we're going to talk about uh, a new novel. It's uh, both brilliant and um, entertaining in that it uh, takes some of the greatest minds of history and uh, pits them um, in in kind of a round table. And, and we're going to find out more about it from the author of the uh, new novel, Toda's. Uh, tote is, I should say. Uh, Joseph Kasdan joins me by phone. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I don't know if I set that up quite right, but uh, 
the name of the book is Tote Is. What what does that mean exactly? Am I saying it right? <clears throat> More or less, Tote Is uh, is so it's a it's a combination of two words, a Greek word totus, which means total, and is for is like to be, and the it's a it's a it's a word that I coined in uh, in the novel to describe the source reality of the universe, the reality upon which everything else depends. Uh, and, you know, within the novel, it, it's made clear that, you know, if there is a source reality, then what's the reality that we as conscious beings are, are experiencing? And this is something I've, I've uh, coined ant-is reality, which is a, uh, it's a fabricated uh, interpretation of reality. Joseph, um, when did or does the uh, the book come out? Well, the book is actually out. It's been out for uh, for a while. This is actually my my first book, Totus, um, and uh, it came out in uh, 2015. Um, I have since written two other books, Gita, Between the Unknowable and the Unreal. And uh, my latest book, actually, is called Tao, A New Interpretation, which just came out. But um, Todas, interestingly enough, uh, just won a gold medal uh, in the Global Book Awards book competition. So I was uh, pretty blown away by that. And so that's something that's new that just happened. Well, Joseph, let me, let me ask you this. Um, what gave you the idea to... Put, to put Socrates and Albert Einstein and Stephen Hawking, Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, put all these guys together in this novel. So, yeah. Um, the, when I first started, had, you know, when I first wanted to write these ideas down in book form, um, I just started writing because I had no idea how to do it. <laughs> and it was terribly confusing. Um, and I remembered back to my school days, of course, and um, remembered Plato and how he used Socrates, the symposium, and the Socratic method to such great effect. And, um, you know, in this book, there are the, the thought and ideas uh, of so many great thinkers, um, people who have, who have laid the, ground, <clears throat> the groundwork for the modern era we live in, their uh, thought and ideas are what lives in this book. So I combined the two ideas. I, I used uh, the Socratic method and the symposium, and then I brought together these great thinkers for a discussion between Socrates and themselves about, uh, amongst other things, how is it that we come to know anything about reality at all? By what, by what process do we come to have an experience of reality? And so <clears throat> these great thinkers are talking about this and other, other issues. Um, and uh, so, so this just seemed to be the perfect for forum to describe very, very complex ideas in a very straightforward and clear manner. I, I don't know if you remember this, uh, but it, this seems, it, it seemed similar to me at first blush to um, 
a uh, roundtable on public television that I think Steve Allen hosted with great minds. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, you know, I mean, I was a kid when Steve Allen was doing that. That was before Johnny Carson, of course. Um, but I did watch, um, I did watch, they had, there were some reruns of it. You know, most of that stuff was live, and, you, and there wasn't a lot right, of it available. Right. But, but, and it was, a, it was a fantastic show. I really, really loved it. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess that was my bent, to put it mildly. Well, what what was it that that got you contemplating these these ideas that you pose to and explore with these great minds about reality so, uh, mm-hmm. and and what it is and so on? Exactly. So, um, long story short. There, there is the famous quote from Albert Einstein where he says, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a persistent one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the thing, the thing that's so amazing about that quote is, you know, everybody knows E equal MC squared, of course. Sure. That's his favorite uh, formula. But that, he was not joking with that quote. He's deadly serious. And I have, I have been... I, that quote has stayed with me just for my whole life, ever since I learned about um, uh, general relativity and, and special relativity, but general relativity specifically. How, so I can understand the idea that reality is, a, is, a, is an illusion in, 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 a, in, a, in a sort of ethereal way, but, but how can it be persistent? What is the what is the engine that drives this persistence? And I and I I believe that by discovering how that persistence keeps the illusion real for us would be the key to my guest is uh, Joseph Kasdan. He is uh, the author of a new book called Todas, and uh, seem to be having trouble hearing Joseph right now. I don't know if he can hear me. If he can, maybe he should disconnect and, and reconnect so we can continue on talking about reality. I remember a, a famous uh, quote, or not a famous quote, but something that... Uh, some people I knew used to say that uh, truth is stranger than fiction. And when you start talking about um, this notion that uh, reality is just an illusion, albeit a persistent one, as uh, Joseph has uh, indicated, quoting uh, Albert Einstein, um, pretty interesting stuff. I wish I could... uh, Oh, I see what's happening. Well, the stream has dropped uh, temporarily. Hopefully, it'll kick back on in a moment. Um, the The nature of this book by uh, by Joseph is um, presenting his uh, ideas in a way that's accessible to a wide audience. He conjures up the ancient. Greek symposium overseen by Socrates himself 
in whose company employing Greek names to represent them, the thought of science's great minds, including Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, Stephen Hawking, as well as Einstein, and his contemporary Max Planck is examined. And uh, we'll see what uh, what happens. The stream hasn't kicked back up yet, although I am still uh, still recording. Um, well, we'll have to figure out maybe when we get to uh, break, I can get this uh, reconnected. Um, in the meantime, let's. Uh, Oh, I know. Let's see if we can get Tom Lehrer to kick in here for just a, a moment or so. And uh, we'll get a little bit sciencey here with, uh, with Tom Lehrer. Actually, I did rather well myself this past Christmas. The nicest present I received was a gift certificate good at any hospital for a lobotomy. <laughs> rather thoughtful. Now, now, if I may digress momentarily from the mainstream of this evening's symposium, I'd like to sing a song which is completely pointless, but is something which I picked up during my career as a scientist. This may prove useful to some of you someday, perhaps in a somewhat bizarre set of circumstances. It's simply the names of the chemical elements set to a possibly recognizable tune. Arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and golden protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I knew you would. I hope you're all taking notes because there's going to be a short quiz next period. <laughs> there's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercalium and lithium and magnesium and dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, denesium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arcan, kryptonian, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Kanawate, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and my apologies for some technical glitches in the last segment, but things seem to be back up and running, and we have reconnected with my guest this hour, the author of uh, TOTUS, uh, Joseph Kasdan, and Joseph joins me by phone. Hi, Joseph. Sorry about all the hiccups. Hi, Tom. No problem. It's uh, we're, I think we're all getting used to this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not even doing. I'm not doing the show on Facebook. I don't. I don't know what happened. Oh, uh, yeah, really. <laughs> anyway, Joseph, um, when last we spoke, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you were starting to explain just the the concept of reality, and I opined uh, during the the difficulties the technical glitches i was reminded of something some of my friends used to say about uh truth being stranger than fiction mm-hmm. and that's a little bit like this notion that that albert einstein put forward about reality being an illusion but a persistent one Mm-hmm, exactly, and and you were explaining, you know how how reality can be ethereal because for most of it, you know we we equate reality to things we can touch. Exactly, and the key that I that I realized, uh, and again it goes back to this idea of the persistence of the illusion if it's an illusion why can't we see through it and see what's actually real but there's a persistence that keeps it illusory but yet real in front of our eyes and um i for me the key came when i uh saw the uh, the that the way we uh access reality as as conscious beings as conscious observers of the world around us we access it through a biosensory process we have our five senses we use those senses to interact with whatever's out there that's called the world and as we interact those senses send signals from our little sense detectors that are all over our body or the five of them and then there there's you know the our uh, internal organ systems, all this stuff. But all of that information is sent, this biosensory information. These are bioelectrical, biochemical signals sent from detectors to our brain to build for us an experience of reality. This is what separates biology from all the rest of the matter and energy in the universe. Only biology has an experience of reality. Snowflakes and electrons experience nothing. We, we, we act like they do, we think like they do, but in fact, they don't. And um, this experience of reality that we have, uh, being a biosensory uh, product, is in fact an interpretation of reality. 
And the, and the fact is that an interpretation of a thing is not the same as the thing itself, just as a picture of a peach is not a peach. And herein lies the conundrum, and herein lies the, the place where the persistence of the illusion is, is made manifest uh, over and over and over again before our very eyes. We take this image, this experience of a biosensory product as reality, when in fact, it's something that our body's creating, our, our mind is creating for us to interpret what it is that it thinks is out there and to keep us alive out, out in it. So, um, so that's sort of the, that's sort of the, the, the baseline conundrum um, of what is real and what is not real and, uh, and how biology and how consciousness uh, interacts with the reality of the world and then creates for itself something uh, a little bit different. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Um, if, if I jump in the lake, as I am often told to do, um, when I get out, I'm wet. Now, am I actually wet or am I only wet because I'm able to uh, experience that um, mentally and record it as such? So the, uh, the experience of, of wet is an interpretation. Water is not wet. Water is a is an is a uh, 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 not an element. It's a it's a molecule. We experience it as wet because for because we have a biology that's built on DNA that has created up for us a way to interact with the world, and and these interactions that we have. Are, are, are built to keep us alive, are built to, uh, so that we follow the, uh, the plan that that DNA has set up, that evolution has set up, that we can survive, we can procreate, we can, uh, you know, do the things we need to do. Now, and it's, it's, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and this is the, this is what's the hardest part to get through. But when you think about the experience we have of the world around us, the, the very first part of it that is absolutely astounding is there's an entire world. We open our eyes and ears and we see an entire world outside of our bodies. What we see out there and everything we're experiencing, it's all created in our brains. The image that we see of the world out there is literally created in our brains. If we didn't have touch, if we didn't have sight, if we didn't have hearing, those things would disappear. We wouldn't access the world that way. So the, wet, the wetness that you feel when you fall in the water, to you, it's very real. To me, it's very real because that's what, how we're built. But is water wet? To a fish, water's not wet. The fish doesn't even know there's water there. It's like us with air. It's just swimming around in its, in its natural habitat. And so, you know, when you start looking at 
all of the different ways biology creates access to reality, from microbes to us. You know, we consider ourselves to be the highest form of life, which is like thinking the, earth, the sun revolves around the earth, quite frankly. Um, you know, there are, a, there are many, many, many ways to access reality, and ours, ours is one of them. So when so the way I like to think about it is, you know, the question we usually put to the world is if I and then la di da di da, did that really happen to me? And so the way I look at it is take the I out of the equation and then look at the water. Is water wet? It's only wet because our biology gives us an experience of wetness. Without us the water's water, and it goes with sugar. Is sugar sweet? Well, it's sweet to us because our body gives us a sweet sense. But to a buzzard who likes to eat rotting flesh and carrion, I don't think sugar's the nicest flavor, you know what I mean? They have another idea of what's good out there. And um, so, so here we go in uh, the, the question of what is real, what's actually real. And our biology is, is an interpretation of reality. And just one more thing about that. What's true about interpreted uh, products of things, go to any art museum and you could see loads of interpretations of haystacks, of buildings, of sunsets, paintings, and all kinds of stuff. But what's true about interpretations is if one interpretation exists, there are many more. So our interpretation of what the world is is only one, and we can actually reinterpret it. I mean, we can't just make stuff up like, oh, I can fly now because I'm interpreting myself flying. Well, that's not going to work. You have to, the interpretation has to take account of what, what you're actually going through. But there are other interpretations for, uh, for the reality that we are experiencing as, uh, as conscious beings. So I can't imagine myself in the Bahamas or at the Great Pyramids and and perceive that I'm that I'm there or imagine that I'm there. Um, that doesn't mean well, I'm actually, actually you, there. No. Well, actually, you can, and this is an interesting point. When you dream, when we dream, those dreams you know how real they can be sure and think about this when we're dreaming this real dream it's completely being made up by our biosensory system for us from 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 whole cloth we're not even there we're not at the pyramids i mean i have dreams of flying i have dreams of breathing underwater those are real dreams and 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 you know, as a, as, a, as a corpus, as a body, they seem very real while I'm sleeping. Then I wake up and I'm like, oh, this is real. And, 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 that's, and that's, the, uh, that's the conundrum that we need to, uh, that I have been examining. Oh, this is real. Well, this isn't real. This is an interpretation, just like the dream is an interpretation. So, um, as you can see, it's a, it's a, it's a slightly more complicated question than if a rock falls on my foot is that real 
Well, the the pain always seems real. <laughs> it is def- the pain is definitely real because we're creating it. Our body is creating it. If a rock falls on the ground, it's nothing ha- there's nothing happening. The rock hits the ground, the ground ain't crying, the rock isn't sad. You know, none of this stuff's going on. Rock falls on our foot. Ah, I'm in pain. I need to go to the doctor. You know, why did this happen to me? And, you know, and my sister's like, you idiot. Why'd you walk under that rock? You know, this whole world revolves around our, our experiences and how we, how we interact with the world around us. The rock, the ground, the electron, the snowflake. They are, they are real. They are just out there doing their their thing, you know. We are having an experience of reality, and and it's a it's a complete and utter uh, uh, novel in 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 many respects. Joseph, is our consciousness the center of the universe? So, um, so I I delve into this. This is this is really. Uh, consciousness and time are very, very intricately related. And the way they're related is, uh, so if, if, if we can accept that our experience of reality is a product of a biosensory process, this, I accept it. This is what I call anthos reality. So, there, so now we as, as conscious beings are living in two worlds. We have our antis reality, that is the reality of our experience of the world that we are sure is absolutely real. But we also have totus reality, which we cannot experience because it's not, it's, it is real, it is the source, it depends on nothing else. Antis uh, uh, reality is totally dependent on totus reality to exist, without it it wouldn't. Uh, totus reality depends on nothing. It is what it is, and it is not. It is not constrained to comport with the attributes of reality that our biology creates for us. And and so, time is one of these uh, is one of these creations. We have the five senses, but we also have the sense that we don't even realize we use. It's our sense of space and time. And that, that sense is the stage upon which all of our other senses function. <clears throat> and so um, this, this time uh, sense that we have, how do we, how do we know that time flows? <clears throat> we know it flows because we stand in the manifest moment that's called now. And through this now moment where we exist, time flows, you know, forward from the future to us through the now and then into the past. So the question is, what is now? Does that, is that real or or is it something that we're making up as well? And in the book, uh, I go to uh, fairly great lengths to build up to a discussion of how the now that we experience as consciousness, as conscious beings, as observers of the universe, everything about the biosensory system uh, is, is making sure that the now we experience is not a now at all. The very fact that 
uh, it takes time for a tactile uh, signal to go from our foot to our brain. It takes much less time for a signal of a photon in the retina to go from our eye to our brain. Same now, but yet it's not a now. They're, they're, everything's happening different times. The further away you get from the center of the brain, the farther away in time things are from the now we experience. And so um, when you couple this idea that the now that we experience is a fabrication, is an interpretation for the benefit of the, uh, of the biology, when you couple that with uh, uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity, where there are reference frames in space-time that uh, basically what they do is they completely upend our notions of synchronicity of what a now is. In fact, in general relativity, there is no now that 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 the controls the universe. This is now, and every other now is like related to that one. It's called relativity because there is no now that's prime. There is no space that's prime. Everything's relative depending on how people move and what the gravitational uh, forces are. And so when we're walking down the street, like if I'm walking down a crowded street in Manhattan or you're walking down one in Flint, Michigan, and people are walking in different directions from you, they're now and you're now are completely different. Well, not completely different, but they're different. Some people's now is in your future. Some people's now is in your past. If you both were to stop and stand together and not move, your nows would be together. And this is, uh, this is, a, this is a, uh, uh, a fact of general relativity. And, so, and what, yeah, you've go done, what you've done in this book, Joseph, in TOTUS, is mm-hmm. you've um, assembled some of uh, what we acknowledge as the greatest minds, Da Vinci and Stephen Hawking and so on, and you mm-hmm. have them exploring these various uh, concepts. Did you, did you draw from things that they had actually said and, and written to inform their interactions and their discussions? So I, so I, th- it was a bit complicated. Um, what, I, what I have actually done in, ma- in creating this symposium, so there are, there are eight friends, Socrates and seven, seven of his friends, um, and they are, uh, I, I gave them Greek names. Uh, they, uh, uh, so they represent uh, not just um, themselves, but they represent all of the people who have, you know, laid the groundwork for our modern world. But for instance, like uh, in the symposium, uh, Garaki, which is Greek for hawk, stands for Stephen Hawking. Mia Petra, which means one stone, that stands for Einstein. Saniva, uh, which means Planck in Greek, it stands for Max Planck. But while they have their own identities in the book, they really form a composite that synthesizes and focuses the thought of so many, so so many great thinkers who have who have really brought us to this modern world with their achievements and their ideas. 
Does that make sense? It it does. Um, one other conundrum that I hear wrestled about often um, sort of revolves around the Big Bang Theory. Um, mm-hmm. The idea that there was a moment where everything came into existence, but mm-hmm. what was there before? Um, mm-hmm. And and that usually when I start to think, it's about it's like time travel. When I start to think about it, it gets it gets so complicated or 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 so. Um, I'm not even sure what the word is. It it just <laughs> yeah. it it just completely um, leaves me um, unrequited in that mm-hmm. there's no answer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, and and I, I, we're getting close to the end of our time, Joseph, and I I, I don't mm-hmm. want to dig too deep on anything. But as mm-hmm. al- is always the case, whenever I have uh, someone on the show, um, and and we're just scratching the surface because you know there there's so much to consider. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, you know, reality's uh, perceived and and uh, persistent and so on. But when you start talking about all the relationships that we perceive. It, it it's pretty complicated so i always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your writing past present and mm-hmm. future do you, do you have a website i do it's jjkasden.com k-a-z-d-e-n.com uh and so there's a bunch of information there about my books there's, uh, i have a whole blog where i've written all kinds of stuff uh about these issues um, and, and these ideas, um, and, uh, yeah, that would be a good place for anyone to start, and, that's, um, yeah. Joseph, that's great, thank you so much for spending this time with me, what's, what's next for you, you've written two books since, uh, Toda's, what are you working on next? So, I'm working on a new book, um, I, I have a, a wonderful, uh, book, from the uh, New York Philosophical Society. It was uh, compiled uh, years and years ago. It's called Essays in Science. And it's a series of essays uh, uh, that were written by Albert Einstein. Uh, And they span a number of years from uh, just after his uh, uh, publication of the theory, the general theory of relativity into the uh, war years and his time at Princeton. Um, but he, uh, so what, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just loving this book and I am imagining a conversation between him and, and another person who, uh, are talking about, you know, his, I mean, his notion was, I'm not interested in this or that phenomena, or this or that technique. I want to know God's thoughts. That's what Albert Einstein said. And as a physicist, to me, that is where the action is. You know, it's 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 not those uh, those are the not, questions that people have been asking since they started asking questions. 
Exactly. Joseph, yeah. thank well, you. Yeah. Thank you so thank much you, for spending Tom. this time with me, and I, I hope we get to do it again sometime. I would love it. I really, really appreciate it, and uh, it was great. I had a great time. All right. Take care. That was Joseph Caston. Uh, His book is Totus. Um, and, uh, well, it's fascinating stuff. We're going to take a short break, and we've got lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council.
W.H. Weiscarver, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiscarver, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner Program, visit whyscarver.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. About four days ago, a plane landed at Idlewild Airport. The plane came from the Middle East, bearing a man who claims to be 2,000 years old. He spent the last six days at the Mayo Clinic. (laughs) Sir, is it true that you are 2,000 years old? Oh, boy. (laughs) Yes. You are too... It's hard to believe, sir, because in the history of man, nobody's ever lived more than 167 years as the man from Peru would claim to be. But you claim to be 2,000. Yes, I'll be... I'm not yet... I'll I'll be... Uh, 2000, October 16th. (laughs) You will be 2000. When were you born? We Uh, didn't have uh, formal uh, years and names and and writing. We didn't know. I see. And nobody kept time then. See, we didn't know, we didn't write, we just sat around, uh, we pointed in the sky, and we said, whoa, hot boy, you know? That's all you said? We didn't even know it was the sun, we thought. Uh, you mean you really didn't know we anything? Didn't know anything, we were so dumb and stupid. Sir. We didn't know who was a lady. <laughs> but they weren't. Well, they was with us, we but didn't know who they were. <laughs> we didn't know who was the you, ladies and who was fellas. You, you thought know? it was they were just different type of yes, fellas? Yes, just stronger or smaller or, yeah. Softer, the softer ones, I think, were ladies all the time. Well, what, what, how did you find out they were ladies? A cute, fat guy could he could have mistaken him for soft and cute. Who was the person who discovered the female? Bernie. <laughs> who was Bernie? Bernie, one of the first leaders of, the, of our group, and he discovered the female. Yes. How did it happen? He how said, "Hey, there's there's ladies here." <laughs> I'm very interested to find out how Bernie discovered the woman. Well, he... How did he, it come to pass? He, one morning, he got up smiling. <laughs> so, he said, I think there's ladies here. <laughs> so, I said, what do you mean, you know? So, he said, because in the night, I was thrilled and delighted. See? <laughs> so, then he went into such a story that... <laughs> It's hundreds of years later, I still blush. <laughs> Sir, uh, could you give us the secret of your longevity? Well, the major thing, the major thing, is that I never, ever touch 
fried food. <laughs> I don't eat it, I wouldn't look at it, and I don't touch it. And and they uh, never run for a bus, there'll always be another. Even if, even if you're late from work, you know, I never run for a bus, I never ran, I just strolled jaunty jolly walking to the bus stop, you know. Yeah, well, there were no buses in the time no, of the No, in, uh, in my time, I mean, I... What was the means of transportation then? Mostly fear. <laughs> fear transported you? Fear, yes. You would see an animal would, would growl, you would go two miles in a minute. But I suppose you fear had... Fear would be the main propulsion. Yes, but I think most people are interested in living a long and fruitful life as yes. you have. You mentioned... Fruit is good too, you mentioned fruit. <laughs> fruit kept me going for 140 years once when I was, I was on a very strict diet, mainly nectarines. I love that fruit. It's a half a peach, half a plum, Sorry. such a hell of a fruit. I love it. Not too cold, not too hot, you know, just nice. What is Even your... a rotten one is good. <laughs> That's how much I love them. I'd rather eat a rotten nectarine than a fine plum. What do you think of that? I can understand that. Yes, that's how much I love them. Yes, I can understand that. Yes, yes. Sir? Some good things. Sir, what uh, did you do for a living? Well, many years ago, thousands of years ago, there was no heavy industry. <laughs> we know that. The most uh, things that we manufactured or we made, the most things that we ever made was uh, we would make, uh, take a piece of wood, see, and rub it and and rub it and clean it and look at it and hit earth with it and hit a tree with it. For what purpose? Just to keep busy. There was nothing. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing to do. We had no jobs, don't you see? What other jobs were there? There must have been something else besides hitting a tree with a no, piece of that, stick. No, that, well, hitting a tree with a piece of stick was already a good job. <laughs> you couldn't get that job, you know? What job? Mainly was sitting and looking in the sky was a big job. And another job was watching each other was one thing. <laughs> that was lifelike, looking at each other. Uh, what uh, language did you speak at that They school? spoke... Uh, uh, rock, basic rock. Basic rock. Yeah. That was before Hebrew. Yeah, well, it was 200 years before Hebrew. It was the rock language or rock talk. Could you give us an example yes. of that? Uh, hey, uh, put that, don't throw that rock at me. You put that rock. <laughs> hey, now, what are you doing with a rock there? Call a policeman, for God's sake. Put that rock away. I see. That was the rock. Now, do you remember, do you remember your Hebrew, sir? Yes, I I, Would you, uh, I think I remember it fluently. Because I understand the modern Hebrew is different from the... Uh, yes, okay. it differs in some of the phonetic alliterations and patterns. Yes. yes. Can, can we hear an example of the ancient Hebrew? Uh, the very ancient Hebrew is... Uh, oh, hi there. Hello. <laughs> Hello there, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? That's English. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Do you remember any Hebrew? Very little, I think. <laughs> I don't think I remember it. I must have forgot a great deal of it. <laughs> I think you forgot it all, sir. Maybe all, yes. Maybe all. Yes. It's thousands of years since I needed it. In, now, now, sir, did you, ever, did you ever have any formal job, as we know it today? Yeah, well, I was a manufacturer. I was an owner. What kind of a factory did you have? I had a... Uh, I used to make the Star of David, the Jewish stars. I was one of the first makers Oh, yes, that. the little thing you wear... Uh, as yeah. soon as religion came in, I was one of the first in that. <laughs> I figured this is a good thing. Yes, and how did you make them? Did you have tools? Well, we didn't have uh, lathes. I employed six men. See, each with a point. <laughs> and they used to run together in the middle of the factory. And in their great speech, they would fuse the thing. And it would Thus make, making a star. Yes, we would make two a day because of the many accidents. <laughs> we'd have six men running at high oh. speed. Of course, you know, 
plenty of action. You never thought of going into anything else? No, I had an offer once. What a was fella it? came to me, Simon. What did Simon ask you to do? He said, if you have a new thing, a new item, a winner, it looks like a winning item that is going to be a big seller, it's called a cross. <laughs> and uh, I looked at it, and I turned it over, and I looked in all sides of it, and I said, uh, it's simple. It's too simple. I didn't know then it was eloquent. Uh, <laughs> you mean you... No, I you, didn't know it would be such turned, a hit. You turned him down. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm too busy. Uh, see, I could have I could have fired four men. Two men run together. Bang, you got a cross. <laughs> see, I could have saved... I would, well, I would I have had over $100 today if I went in with crosses. Because they're in everywhere today. By the way, sir, uh, are you married? I have been married several hundred times. <laughs> several hundred yes. times? Yes. You have been married? Do you remember all your wives? One I remember well. <laughs> Which one was that? The third one. Shirley. <laughs> I remember her. I I'm afraid to ask the next question. You had many hundreds of wives. Hundreds and hundreds of wives. How many children do you have? I have over 42,000 children. <laughs> and not one comes to visit me. <laughs> There isn't one daughter that Many favors daughters, you. Many daughters, but, but they, you know how they are. Children, good luck to them. Let them go. And I don't want... Listen, let them be happy. As long as they're happy, I don't care. But they could send a note and write, how you pop, how you doing, pop, you know. Something. No, no they don't. Sir, um, you must have known some great men in your time. You did travel throughout I the world. I knew the great and the near great. Could I ask you about some of these? Certainly. I'll tell you the true, the true whether I knew or not. For instance, people are... People are very interested in somebody like Joan of Arc. A lot has been written about her, and we read a lot about her. Ah, what a cutie. (laughs) You knew Joan of Arc. I went with her, dummy. I went with her. (laughs) Nowhere in history do we uh, know of Joan going with anybody. Well, they don't print that. (laughs) They don't print everything. You didn't marry her. No, no, I didn't marry her because she was on a mission, you know. (laughs) She used to say to me, she used to say to me, uh, I gotta say friends. I used to say, I look, I gotta wash up. You say friends. <laughs> see you later. After you'll say friends, I'll wash up, you know. How did you Paul feel? Paul and her me and mine. Yes. No? How did you feel about her being burnt at the stake? Terrible. <laughs> yeah. See, I didn't... I didn't know. Uh, sir, how about some of the legendary characters who supposedly might have existed? For instance, Robin Hood. Did he exist? Oh, yeah. Lovely man. Ran around in the forest. Did he really steal from the rich and give to the poor? No, he didn't. He didn't. He stole from everybody and kept everything. How did legend legend spring up that he was... He had a fellow Marty. Marty, the press agent, ran in all the papers and wrote in scrolls. He took from the rich and gave to the poor. Who knew? Who knew? He'd give you such a knock in the head when they robbed you. You wouldn't remember anything. In other words, uh, we was a tough guy. I hate to have our, our legendary figures smashed like well, this. Well, I hate to smash him for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you, you, you've lived so long. Did you ever have an accident in all this time? An accident or An accident. Oh, an accident. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, in the, in the year 61, I was hit, uh, I was run over by seven men fleeing a lion. <laughs> they ran me over. That, that's the extent of all that. But they didn't have insurance. I didn't have insurance. <laughs> there was no such thing then. Uh, so who, you laid there till you got back. What amazed yeah. <laughs> In the 2,000 years you've lived, you've seen yes, a lot of changes. Uh, certainly. What is the biggest change you've seen? In 2,000 years? 
the greatest thing mankind ever devised that I think, in my humble opinion, is saran wrap. <laughs> you can put a sandwich in it, you can look through it, you can touch it, you can put it over your face and pull around and everything. It's you so mean, good, it kills you. You can wrap it up. You equate this I love it. You can put three olives in it and put a little one. You can put ten sandwiches in it and make a picture in it. Whatever you want, it clings and it sticks. It's you great. equate this with... You can this, look right through it. You equate this with man's discovery of space? That was good. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.